Merry Christmas, disc golf fans. Hope Santa Claus brought you everything that you wanted and you found that perfect present under the tree. If not, we've got one more gift for you, and that's a special holiday edition of Running It with Nate Sexton. I'm your co-host, Jared Orr. He is the Corvallis Cosell, the man who's always so silky smooth on the course and behind the microphone, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm happy. We got a, another big time guest coming up after last week. I mean, things are things are going good over here at Running It with Nate Sexton. They sure are, man. Last week was amazing. Uh, the amount of downloads that are still pouring in right now and the feedback uh, from having Big German was amazing. In fact, uh, if those of you who are listening on Apple or iTunes, you can hit that iTunes homepage, click on the trending, and there we are, Nate, right there, running it with Nate Sexton, trending on Apple uh, uh, or iTunes. So uh, that was a pretty cool thing to see this week, wasn't it? Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm not even still sure I quite understand the gravity of it. I can tell how excited you are about it. And you know podcasts. So that tells me getting kind of excited. Like, man, maybe we're uh, making some headway here. It's cool. Yeah. And, uh, and we could thank that to uh, to an awesome guest and, a, and an amazing conversation. A big, sexy back together chat. And that was a good time. We hope to do that again soon. Um, but we do have a Christmas gift. And for those of you who are downloading this on Friday, the day that it dropped, it's Christmas morning. Uh, or maybe you waited a day or two after spending some time with family. But Nate, we've got one more present for him, don't we? Yeah. I mean, our guest this week, a true rogue warrior, a guy who's been doing this for a lot of years. He's kind of been everywhere, knows everyone, and he's won everywhere on his way there. So he just won his 100th PDGA professional tournament, which not a lot of people have achieved that. But yeah, without further ado, it's it's Mr. Paul Ulibarri. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to chat with y'all. Sweet, man. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Got a couple good questions, I think, for you. We'll have a little talk and uh, let people get to know you a little bit better. Perfect. Perfect. Can't wait. So, Nate, you were saying that uh, Paula just posted that this was his uh, his best 2020 ever. Well, his best year ever. I suppose for all of us, it was our best 2020 <laughs> ever, at least. I mean, you got to That's one thing. That's a silver lining for 2020 in general, though. Just remember, wherever you are, this is the best 2020 you're ever going to have. Well, that I, that's a good thing, and I guess it's easy for me to say. But tw so, twenty twenty was your best year ever, right, Paul? Oh, twenty twenty was my best twenty twenty ever, and twenty twenty was definitely what I feel like was probably my best season ever in disc golf. Yes, which is pretty cool. I mean, you've had a lot of great ones. So, I mean, to say that when I read, you know, I hadn't really thought about it or dug into the stats or anything, but when I saw you post that, I was like, okay, wow, like that's pretty. That's a pretty big accomplishment considering you know you're you're at least what. 13 years deep into this professional thing. Yeah. Like 15, 15 now. Yeah. You we're getting older. You and I, yeah, we're not any spring chickens out here anymore. <laughs> See, it seems like they're making them younger and stronger and faster too. I don't know what's happening out there on the tour, but no back. Yeah. So stats wise, probably not my, my best year that I ever had. You know, I've had some good seasons where, you know, I had a, a few good highlighted wins, of course, and maybe stacked up more wins than I did this year or higher finishes, let's say, at like premier events. But just the fact that, you know, following last year, I didn't play at all last year. I, I had that knee injury, which sidelined me the whole um, 2019 season. So I tore my ACL, uh, what was it, in like June, June July? of 2019 and then I just didn't play all the way till this season so I didn't know how it was gonna go I didn't know 
if I was going to be horrible or, or what, what was going to happen. And then to come out and actually have a successful year, um, especially during, you know, 2020 has been tough for, for everybody. And it's been a learning curve for everybody. And to have a, a solid year is why I took that. And I said, okay, yeah, after everything that I had been through to come out and perform the way that I did, I felt like it was my best year that I've ever had. Yeah. And the two things that come to mind for me, I mean, obviously, number one, super happy for you to be able to get through that whole thing. But also from a stats perspective, like not every other season didn't have like a three month shutdown where you weren't able to get any wins or make any money. So it's like to compare it stats versus stats, you know, it still could be your best year ever because we had to miss so many of the elite series and the whole national tour canceled a lot less opportunity for you to rack up statistics. But that last off season after your injury, you know, I remember two or three phone calls we had together where, you know, you were kind of like trying to decide, am I done? Like, can I even get back after that injury? And to see you now, you know, throwing down 1075 rated rounds and winning tournaments, it's like, you know, I couldn't be happier for you. No, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. To come from a place like that. Cause you know, those calls were real with us, you know, where I, yeah. where I really had to question like, you know, what does my future really w- look like? And for the first time in my life as an athlete, you know, you just expect to be an athlete your whole life, you know, and then, and to see it kind of like take a turn like that. And I, and, th- and the advice I was getting from doctors at that time was like, Hey man, you need to think about, you know, not playing any anymore. And, and so yeah. that was a big time wake up call and, and really sad, put me in a tough spot and a tough place mentally. And uh, luckily, luckily, I got in touch with, you know, some really good doctors and I was able to, you know, have a, another surgery that kind of put that that exact point of what was going on with my knee behind me. And then, yeah, like uh, my rehab after that was just like everything just kind of started falling, falling into place. And here we are. I had a good feeling. I mean, I know you, you've always been one of the hardest workers. So I just knew, you know, whatever any doctor, if a doctor was going to give you a chance and there was going to be a second opinion that let you f- see a path back, I knew you'd be back. So I'm just happy to see it. Happy for you to have a great year. And I mean, I'm also happy to see you getting into the the old man's game, you know, getting behind the microphone a little bit more. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, you you uh, you left some big shoes to feel, feel right there coming back and and to have that opportunity obviously it was a it was unfortunate the way it all went down to where you know with COVID and everything we weren't all able to tour and and priorities kind of set uh different precedents for what we're all able to do of course um and so to be able to get behind the booth and and really had a lot of good feedback you know from from I'll tell you this man right away there's a lot of Nate Sexton lovers out there that just didn't even <laughs> want to see me in there. You know, it seemed like every episode, cause I read the comments cause I really want to learn, you know, that's how you learn and, and kind of take that, you know, most of them, like all the negative stuff you kind of put, put aside, but there are some good comments that you can read to really be like, Oh yeah, I could totally work on that. But the first couple, I mean, I, I remember just people being like, where's sex and where's sex? And like, is this real? Like, come on, man. You know? And so that was <laughs> tough, but plugged away and then slowly started to winning over some more fans and stuff. And then, you know, it actually ended up being a very successful year for Jomez, myself, big germ, obviously you and everybody. And so I'm glad I was able to make that work. 
Yeah, man, I think you did a great job. In fact, so good that, you know, I think you converted some of those fans and now I got to now I got to hear it in the comments. So thanks a lot for that. <laughs> oh, no, I the good thing about Jomez and, and, and you know, that kind of family atmosphere that we've all kind of created is it's all good. You know, like we're all part of that that club now and we're all part of the team and I can't wait to see what 2020 and, and working with you and with with German and them in whatever capacity that is, it's, it's going to be successful because of how great the fans are. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the fans maybe just don't, I mean, and how could they, I just don't think they realize that the three of us have been friends way longer than Joe Mez was a thing, you know? Like, so it's <laughs> right, like, it isn't right. like this thing where it's like, who's Yuli and what's he doing in my chair? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like we've all been buddies and joked around for so many years on tour that it's like, not, a, not an issue. Like, I don't know. I don't even, I don't really even, have a lot of specific goals for what my role is going to be. I just want to make the coverage and work with Jomez. And that's always been an honor to do. And it's like, I just know we're going to have a blast, whatever we do. Exactly. Exactly. I think we'll leave that. We'll leave those uh, thoughts and those um, speculations to the fans and they can argue about that for us because yeah. you're hundred percent right. I mean, I can go back all the way to 2005 when I first started and, and you were one of the first pros that I ever met. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I still do a putting drill to this day that Colin and you both told me what to do. I still do it almost um, weekly. So nice. it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, that's, you know, 17 years ago and then yeah. uh, 16, 17 years ago. And now here we are. Yeah. Like you said, I don't think there's uh, I don't think people realize how, how long we've known each other. Yeah. The thing I well, the thing I need a part of. Oh, go go ahead, Jarrett. We've been stealing the we've been stealing no, the spotlight here. No, absolutely. Hey, listen, this is what everybody came to do is to hear this. But hearing Yuli talk about reading those first couple comments, um, you know, I can certainly relate to that. Um, and, and Paul, we've we're kind of in the same boat there because people are yelling at you for not being Nate Sexton, and people are yelling at me for not being Big Germ on the podcast. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's. I think that it's one of those things where you guys really kind of created your own identity in that, in that big Barry team. And, uh, and you know, that's what I'm just trying to do here alongside Nate. If there gets to an opportunity where maybe germ doesn't make it to a show or or to a tour or tournament, excuse me, easy for me to say. Um, and it's going to be the two of you in there. Have you guys pre-discussed what the name is going to be? Is, is it going to be sexy, Barry, Barry, sexy, sexy bear? Have you guys worked this out yet? No, but I kind of like very sexy. That sounds that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's as close to very sexy as it could possibly get. You Which know is something I mean, that people man. have Which said is... about me and you for years. <laughs> he's, this is why he's Nate Sexton, man. He's got the smooth transitions, man. <laughs> We've been as close as you can get to very sexy for a long time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but still exactly. not quite there. No, Frustratingly, but maybe... still not quite there. <laughs> But then together, boom, all of a maybe, sudden. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but yeah, that would be fun. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but that would be cool. Now, Paul, I heard you mention uh, Nate's brother, and uh, it's been kind of tossed around a little bit recently. Um, and I know you guys have all joked around about it. The old, uh, if there was a siblings game, if, if the disc golf siblings all went out and played around, uh, who, who do you, what, what siblings do you think take this, this tournament? You know what? I think that's a that's easy for me to say. And when I say easy, it's because, I mean, my brother's probably the number three to number four best Masters player 
on the west coast on the west side of things so with that being said you know the knees feeling healthy like i said just had my best season ever i think that sexton right now is a little bit rusty of course and no if comment. that's the ca- no comment that's yeah and if that's the case then I mean, I got to give the upper hand to my brother. And I don't know if, if Colin's out there doing push-ups and grinding in the field, throwing shots or not, but I'm guessing not. So I think that's an easy win for the Uly brothers. Nate? I, oh, I got to disagree, of course. But, uh, you know, I think we, we did battle, you know. We, there's been a, a Uly's versus Sexton battle. And I think, you know, we're the premier teams out there right now. It's the two of the, those two sets of brothers. And a couple of years ago in San Diego at the at the Southwest Team Invitational, uh, I was coming in playing the number one seed for the Oregon team, and and Yuli was the number one seed for Arizona. And I think our brothers were what like number fives, number sixes, something along those lines. Yeah, something like that. But it was just perfect. You know, fate decided that it was going to be me against Paul and my brother Colin against Pete. And so, you know, it, it, it was a tie in the end. It was a, it was nothing was decided that day because Pete put a whooping on my brother and thankfully I was able to put that same whooping on Paul. Yeah. Whipping stick right to me. It was was (laughs) not the, it was not a proud day for the younger of the Yuli brothers. And that's what Pete and I got together and said, man, younger brothers, you know, they did, they will under the pressure. Older brothers got to handle business. (laughs) Now, what's uh, what's Paul McBath going to say when we have him on the show? It does, I mean, it, it's, just, it's really only one brother. I mean, John John plays amateur. I mean, he's 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 a great dude. He's thrown some frisbees before, but you know, I think we it's got to be an alternate shot to really get to the core of which team is the best. And I think even McBeth is going to have a hard time hanging in there. Uh, just because John is, you know, he's just more of a casual player. He's he's starting to play more, though. I did see him hit that ace in their video the other day. So I wouldn't totally count him out. I would just say with the alternate shot format, it's going to be hard to carry an amateur, even if you are a Paul Macbeth. Or a worse shot. Yeah, that's even harder. Hmm, we got to get this thing going. This this COVID has to simmer down, and we got to get this thing on the course. I would like to do that. That would be really fun. It'd be it'd be it'll be hard to uh, do it logistically, but maybe one of these days we'll all end up in the same place. We could it'd be a funny video, a fun video for sure, if we could ever do it. And I think, I think it'd be a good close competition. I think it'd be, and the trash talk would be fantastic. Which speaking of trash talk, man, I mean, I can't say that I'm a big enough disc golf fan to like consume every last of Jomez video when I'm here at home with my daughter and, and, uh, and watch every bit of big Barry commentary, but the practice rounds that's can't miss content. And I told germ, I can't believe we haven't been doing it the whole time. And you guys, I mean, God, it's so, it's, it's just so funny. It's fantastic. I was watching all of them and loving it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm a really big piece of that puzzle because what germ? This is I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some very se- high secret in- information that might hurt his feelings. That's fine. Yeah, which is what we want to do on podcast, right? It's but most yeah. It's called a practice round for a reason. Like I'm trying to get better. I'm throwing crazy shots. I'm out there practicing. Germ's coming hard in the paint. Like he is, <laughs> he is just getting it out there and throwing these just grinding over like 20 footers and it's just like I I in one of the most famous 
practice rounds between him and I, I look at him and I, and I, I don't even know what I said, but I was like, do I need to play aggressive here? Of course I'm going to play aggressive, hit the first tree. You know, that's my style though. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really, you know, get the best out of my practice that I possibly can. And then if Jerm, you know, he's a good friend. So if he can come away with the win, I'm, it's a win-win for me because I know I'm going to whip it up in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That, that moment, man, when you said you're going to play aggressive and then hit that first tree, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. When I saw that, I thought, did he do that on purpose to make this video funnier or did he actually to, just hit that tree? I was hundred percent trying to throw that right in the bucket. <laughs> I, I would hope so, <laughs> but it was, it was a shot. It was the worst shot I've ever seen you throw. Oh, you know? well, that's saying a lot. I've thrown some pretty bad ones, especially one that's on camera somewhere oh, out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think we should probably bring this up because Gosh, it's so hard for people to, to find. It, this, is a, this is a request direct from my wife. So hard to find. <laughs> this video is buried at the end of a Will Schustrich in the bag. I think it's on the nonstop disc golf channel, which would be like a long dead YouTube channel from probably 10 years ago. So if you find that Will Schustrich in the bag and you go all the way to the end and you wait till the Biz Marquee starts playing or whatever, whatever music that is, um, then there's a shot called the monkey paw. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to take it from here. Yuli. You were there. I was there. Yeah. So I was actually, this is, this is a real, this, some people ask me if it's real. This is a real shot I threw in <laughs> big time tournament play tournament situation. I'm leading at this point. I am leading the Texas state championships, which of course it had to have happened at the Texas state championships yes. where all of my worst shots I've ever thrown have happened. Yes. Which has been documented as well on the Joe Mez or the show Mez. Yes. And I just have like a 120 foot up shot or something. It's just right there. A little windy. And at this point, I was sponsored by Innova, so I pull out this gator. And this gator, dude, till this day, kind of gives me nightmares. Like, I never – I pulled it out because, like, it was a stable putter, you know? And yeah. I threw it, and that thing just hooked right onto the finger and just – I mean, you'll – just go check it out. If you can find it, make a meme out of it. I mean, they're happening anyways. Might as well make some more of me. We need to bring that back anyway. People need to see it. I mean, just to give you a – an idea of what you're in for. You can see the basket dead ahead. He's lined up perfect. And it's yep. about 120. And when he lines it up to rip it, I mean, we're talking about like, if you imagine somebody standing, looking at the basket, getting ready to throw, this thing goes in the direction where his right ear is facing. Like this is fully to the right, 120 feet just ripped. So where he's like farther away from the basket now than he was before. And it's not like there's trees <laughs> or really anything like that. Just rips it straight to the right. And the face that Nate Doss makes and is just like, what just happened? And then your quote, I'm going to let you tell him, because what you said in the actual moment is so funny. Oh, I said, uh, well, the wind's better from over there. I think that's what I said. <laughs> 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 but but you got, but there's also another point where I look at my hand like, what? Yes. Are, what did you, why did you fail me like that? <laughs> and this is at a time where there really wasn't a lot of coverage, too. Yeah. So this was like, I just to get it on film. I mean, it's, it's going to be funny to see that come out from somebody. So one of these listeners is going to be like, "Oh, that's me," and then brrr, twenty minutes later, I'm going to see and, that all over the internet for sure. And thank you to whoever you are, the person that that does, puts in the work. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> now, Paul, you mentioned that at that time you were uh, with Innova. Now you are the team captain at Discraft. Uh, I remember you were with Prodigy for a, a, a period there. When a professional player, not just you, when somebody switches sponsors, is it because strictly, is it like regular pro sports? It just comes down to the money or is it preference in disc or plastic lineup or what's the, what's the process behind that? You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that go along with that. That's a great question. I think, I think part of it is comfortability as well. Like how comfortable are you in that situation? And, and, and as the sport grows, more and more people are obviously getting more money, but, they also want to be in a place where they feel more comfortable, whatever that may mean. Right. like my situation could be different from this person. And, and what that means to the individual is, is you see that in basketball all the time. Like sometimes there's a player that just isn't a fit for that organization. And that's happening more and more in disc golf to where, you know, I was lucky enough to play for, for Innova early, which was awesome. And they, and they really helped me at that point in my career. And I was able to play for prodigy at that point in my career. And that really helped me. But when I moved to Discraft, it was just a better fit. That organization was a better fit for me. And, uh, I think that's, I think that's kind of the answer that you're looking for. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly. I mean, I guess there's no wrong answer. It just comes down to what makes the most sense. But I always just wonder when you see these players switch from one company to the next, and then they're out there playing those early tournaments. I mean, it's got to be tough to totally rebuild your bag. Oh, it is. It is. And it has to be, it has to work for everybody. And obviously, you know, one of the main factors in all of that, I mean, we can't get away from it is the big, it's a big dollar sign. Like who's going to pay you what you deserve, different things like that. But um, obviously, like I just stated, sometimes it's just a better fit, you know, all around, whatever that means. And from my point of view, you know, obviously I've stayed with one company, but from what I know about Paul and a lot of guys, you know, like Paul's been, Paul's a supremely confident guy, even if, even if he is great at making fun of himself. But I feel like out there grinding year after year after year, and you can get in one within with one company, it kind of, there's like a hierarchy there. And you're like, it can feel like no matter how good you play, you're always going to be second fiddle to this other guy or whatever it is. And I feel like Paul's the type of guy who's constantly betting on himself. And it's like, if he has an opportunity and it's like, I'm not saying this in any bad way. It's only just doing, making the best decision for him and his family. But I always saw it as a thing where it's like, Hey, I know I'm better than that. Or I know I, I deserve this, this top billing. I can be this great. And you know, he keeps proving himself, right. You know, betting on himself and, and, and making those moves when they were prudent moves to make. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point that, yeah, I think some of it was a little bit lucky as well with the move that I made um, when I made it because um, obviously I made that move exact on the same time that Paul left Innova, Macbeth, that is. And so, you know, that kind of turn, turned the dynamic of like manufacturers. At that point, Discraft was was really – kind of i guess kind of pushing more towards the ultimate game and not and not really focusing on disc golf as much and they wanted to get back in the game and so you know like like i had said before it was just a better fit for what I, like you said what i was trying to do at that point in my career and just like made made the most sense you know for sure and now we get to 
share the share this time as the the captains of the two probably the two biggest teams in disc golf which is pretty surreal every time we get to talking about that and and you get on your uh, your british accent and start calling me and go hello captain and you get all formal i just sort of think yeah, <laughs> look at us now all the way back from yeah. the thunder stomp days in southern idaho look yeah. at us now. who would have thought not me not me. <laughs> <laughs> now nate you we know that you just resigned and and innova is where you've always been it's where you're always going to be but did you ever think about maybe testing the waters like some of these other athletes and pro sports do test the free agent waters see what else is out there or were you, did you always know it's just going to be innova oh i mean i i'm certainly not like deleting anybody's emails you know there's been times plenty of times where i've been courted by other companies uh, but yeah, I, I, I didn't want to leave. I'll say that, you know, I was, and, and nobody quite ever offered me enough money to make me leave. You know, like I, I, I'm, I'm happy and I'm really happy being with Innova and being loyal, but like at an early point in my career, if someone had said, Hey, we're going to double your pay, I would have taken it. I'm not going to, I'm not stupid, but you know, thankfully in hindsight for me, cause I don't think I ever could have made a better career anywhere else. But, uh, you know, I've always been able to stay and, and continue to build that relationship. And that's worked out great for me. But no, certainly I wasn't like turning a, a, a deaf ear to the ovations of, a, of other companies kind of trying to come in and, and talk to me and um, and see if they could convince me to play for them. Yeah, we talked last week about that sweet, sweet end of a money. Uh, Yuli, Big Germ told us that when he was got his first and that was the sweet, sweet prodigy money for him. He was buying a lot of flat brim hats because he could he could afford new hats now. When when you started making some money playing disc golf, did you have something that you were going out there buying, splurging on now that you were making some of that sweet, sweet disc money? Yeah, so when I got that when I got first got got that nice paycheck, I started uh I bought a new car. <laughs> That's the first thing I did. I was I bought a comfortable vehicle that I could tour the country in and I still have that same vehicle. So it was a great purchase. Um, it's paid off in full. So that's all good. And then uh, I also started staying in, mo in more like hotels um, than I were like early on in my career. I was staying on, on a lot of floors, <laughs> a lot of couches, um, wherever I could, you know, for for a free place to stay. So once I started actually getting a salary, I was able to be a little bit more comfortable. And I really feel like that helped my play to where I wasn't, I was a little bit more comfortable. And yeah, so I, I, I more use my money for, to kind of try to get better. <laughs> How many miles on that car? <laughs> 280,000 miles. I think I have on that bad boy right now. And that's like in what, six, six or seven years. A little more, seven years yet. Yeah. Well, what was it? Yeah, 2012 brought it brand new off the showroom floor, baby. Yeah, so that gives you a little sense. You guys can do the math at home. How, how much do you drive compared to a professional disc golfer? It's probably not much. He's putting some miles per year. Yeah, and I'm a little bit more aggressive as far as the touring schedule goes, for sure. I've made some pretty silly trips in my life to where. You know, early on in my career, I was no stranger to playing against some people and then seeing where the competition goes and just go to the other side of the country, get that easy. I like to call them honey pots or Yuli snacks, Yuli snacks, honey pots. Yep. Yuli snacks is a little sh a smaller tier. OK, yeah, yeah. There's no honey there. It's just a little no. couple crackers. Yeah, the honey, the honey pot is the nice big A tier on the other side of the country 
where you're the highest rated player by, you know, 10, 15 points or something. I can't, I can't uh, argue with that strategy. <laughs> I don't think people realize, and, and this podcast is really kind of shine some light on it with talking with Nate in the first few episodes and then Germ last week and hearing you say that now that I don't think people realize that in the beginning, you guys were just, you know, kids grinding it out from, you know, one place to the next and uh, just hoping to make enough money to probably put gas in your car to make it to the, to the next tournament. I think everybody just thinks right off the bat, you guys start off making huge money and you've got big tour buses and you're going from town to town, but that's really not the case, right? The good thing about, yeah, the good, well, the good thing about nowadays is, is a lot of the, you know, the, hard work and grinding that we did then there's some kids nowadays who are able to do that, who are reaping some benefits of nice contracts early to where their first year touring after that touring season, they're signing a nice contract and they're going to be able to do that, get some money in the bank to where, you know, I remember there was a point where I think I was ranked like seventh in the world and I ran out of gas. It had $10 to my name. Yeah. And I didn't have any, I had to like hitchhike to the next town. Or no, 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 no. I wasn't ranked yet in the top 10, but at the tournament that I was getting to, I ended up getting 11th, which was the world championship. So I was pretty good. Anyways, I ran out of gas. I walked to the next town, which was a few miles away. And I walked into the gas station and the, and the gas tank was uh nine ninety nine, and I had ten a $10 bill. So I'm like, okay, this is awful. Like I'm not going to go begging for money. Now across the street, there was a Goodwill. I walked into the Goodwill, went over there, and I finagled away to make a, a little a little gas tank with a funnel and everything. And I bought that for three bucks, went over, filled it up with seven, walked back to my car, made it to the world championship and got 11th place. Wow. That was our grind. You know, that was like the type of stuff that I, I had to do um, in order to keep playing disc golf. So like, yeah, nowadays I think they have it a lot, a lot easier for sure. If they're doing the work and grinding that out. And I think it's just a lot of that comes down to just the game being so much bigger, too, to where now, you know, if you're willing to put in the work and run some clinics or do some fan outreach stuff like you can go to any city if you've got a little bit of name recognition and put in some hard work for a day or two and you can, you know, come away with a profit there. So I think guys that are being smart, using social media, using YouTube, which congrats to you, man, you're a real YouTuber now. It's pretty incredible the, what you're be, being able to put out. But yeah, I think people that are being smart about that kind of stuff are are able to, you know, carve out some different ways to to make it a viable career. Oh, no, that is a great point. And something that, you know, I've really overlooked is is that is that, you know, a lot of these kids, they, they don't ever have to do that because with social media, you can be like, hey, I'm going to run a little clinic here at whatever park five bucks ahead and you'll get people to show up, you know? Yeah. Where where back in our day we did that, like they'd be like, Wait, you're paying us to come to this? Like what's going on? Yeah, or or you would have just been like, Well, hey, like you call some guy you happen to know and be like, Can you print some flyers and put them up? You know, yeah, it's like exactly. it's not the same thing as as what it is now where you can reach your actual fans with the click of a couple of buttons and you're right there giving them the information they want. Like in two thousand six if you wanted to go run like a, a clinic or something, you need to like know the shop owner in town, get that through the club email list or some, you know, it's like, it's not, not that easy. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You are absolutely right about that. Yeah. It reminds me, I did a podcast with a, a professional wrestler uh, from the WWE and he told me when he was starting out, he ate a lot of barbecue 
And I said, what was that? And he said, well, after we were done in a town, I would stop at a gas station and buy like one of those uh, cans of Spam or gas station hamburgers. And then I would open the hood and I would throw it in the engine compartment and I would drive to the next town. And by the time I got to the next town, my my dinner was ready and uh, and I ate the barbecue. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, my so- goodness. I yeah, had man. so much easier than that guy. <laughs> so, but you know, I hearing you guys talk about running out of gas and that big germ said he was, he was playing in a, in a tournament for 600 bucks, but it might as well have been a million dollars at that point. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, and that's, I think, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, wow, you guys just, you became pros and you instantly made it and you were rich and famous and, and life was great. But I'm um, hearing how you guys had to kind of work your way up now, seeing these guys that come in that are having it a lot easier. Do you guys look at them and you're kind of like, yeah, it must be nice or you're just happy for them. No, that was a goal. You know, that's always, I feel like that's always been my goal is like, my dad always told me leave it better than you found it and you know that's just it like i don't want to leave it i just want to make it better i want i always wanted i don't ever want to have one of these kids have to walk to the next town and get gas like that's just awful i'm glad it happened to me you know because it got me where i am but no as long as you know, the things that, and, and really it's, a, it's like Sexton said earlier, it's surreal to see how far we've come, Sexton and I, because we are some of the reasons why this, this golf is bigger. And, you know, it's humbling to say that. Um, but I mean, I feel like, am I right in saying that, that that was our goal, Nate? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I think our goal was to make a life, make our, make disc golf a big part of our life. That was like my first goal. And, and if I could do that, then, you know, and, and, and start to pave away or follow some footsteps of the guys that came before us, like Avery Jenkins and a Ken Climo and any of those guys, you know, that those were guys I was looking up to so much that I just wanted to try to, you know, live some of what they had lived and, and have those experiences. And yeah, definitely looking back, I mean, I think everybody in a growing sport, I'm sure in basketball or anything, you know, you, you see the young guys coming in when you're near the end of your career and you look at the contracts they're getting and you're like, man, that would have been nice to be able to do that for all the whole 15 years of my career. Instead of like, for me, I I was never out there running out of gas, but I couldn't tour full time because I, you know, I had my now then girlfriend, now wife, and I was at home working part time because I never, I had to get good enough to get a big contract by playing kind of part time before I could ever really hit the tour because I was going to run out of gas if I tried to. So it was like, I, I never had like quite that desperate of a moment, but I also wasn't out there, you know, in the same way that Yuli was at the beginning of my career, just because it, it didn't add up dollars and cents wise for me to be able to do that. But yeah, some of these young guys now that can make that add up and, and maybe they can look forward to like a full career of actual, you know, salaried type contracts. That's pretty cool. You know, and that's going to be, then you're going to start seeing players who play a nice full career of disc golf and they don't, have to work anymore after that you know they're that's going to be like like another professional athlete you know where you're putting away enough money to retire on and that's the biggest and for the listeners that's the biggest difference between nate sexton and i is the iq level might be a little off i was 960 and i'm like <laughs> i can <laughs> i ain't never you were betting on yuli you were betting on <laughs> you i went out there and sexton's like you know what i'm gonna just slow the storm a little bit i'm gonna wait it out a bit and then have this smooth sailing all the way to the end of my career but we both got to pretty much the same spot yeah two completely different paths yep 
Julia, I heard you tell a story. Um, I don't know. I'm doing some research and I get stuck in the, uh, in the old disc golf rabbit hole on YouTube all the time. Uh, and I heard you tell a story about, I think it was winning your first tournament and you throw in the completely wrong disc, but you thought it was the one you had to throw because it was a, it was your newest disc that you had. Can you, can you tell that story for us? Yeah. So I had been playing maybe, maybe, uh, let's just say two months, two months max. It could have been two weeks right? It was probably closer to two weeks. And I had two discs or three discs at the time. Just like any story, this is the distance is going to get bigger and it's going to be, I would play in two hours by the end of my career when I play this <laughs> tournament, but I'm playing and uh, recreational and I end up playing against this girl's name, Sarah Lang. And she was the professional girl in Arizona. She was really good. She won like all the tournaments at the time. There wasn't any women playing that particular tournament. So she played the recreational division. I'm battling, you know, just doing my best. And before, well, let's, let's go back to the beginning. My, I get to the course and my buddy's dad, he's like, let me see what you got. All right, I'm buying you a new disc. He buys me a brand new tie-dye beast. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Like it's on. I got a new disc now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this thing's brand new. Get these guys are toast. So I get out there and we're battling, battling, and we end up going to a playoff. And I throw my shot on the playoff, and it's like I'm not kidding. Probably 40 mile an hour crosswind. Like it was a windy day, and I have about a 40 footer for the win from a knee underneath this branch, underneath this bush. And I remember thinking, oh, I have to use the brand new beast. It's new. <laughs> like, of course, <laughs> this is the one I have to use. And so I slung that bad boy up and ju- and put it in the wind and made it and won the tournament. And now that looking back, crazy. the reason I chose it is because it was new, not because it's a beast, not anything. I'm just like, oh, this is brand new. This one's definitely got the best chance of going in. And we're talking about, what, 13, 14 years old? I was 16, I think. 16, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, 16, <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah. Now, she's probably licking her chops as she sees you lining up a tie-dye beast from, from Oh, there, for huh? sure. There's no way that should have ever been remotely close to going. <laughs> Driver, 40-mile-an-hour crosswind, knee, I'm drawn dead. But she didn't know. I had no clue. She, it was about to be over. I mean, and just to summarize, you'd been playing two hours. The crosswind was 60 miles an hour and the putt was 70 feet, right? Hey, hey 10, 10 years from now, that's exactly, the, you got the facts right. Perfect. Yeah. I, it's I, funny I, I how you think, that. like how you think you look and how you really look. Like we go back, somebody had a camera. It's like a 12 footer, you know, <laughs> yeah. a little breeze. <laughs> it's not even Sarah. It's like another wreck, wreck girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, man. Hey, listen, don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story, Yuli. <laughs> oh, you got it, man. I, I feel like I feel like I'm a, we're all storytellers on here. That's why we're that's yeah, how that's we what got here. To do. <laughs> so you got in the booth with uh with Big Germ while Nate was sitting out with COVID and, and playing Mr. Dad. Uh how did that come about? Who who approached who? Did you offer volunteer? Did Germ come to you? Was it Joe Mez? H- how'd you get that role? 
I was already kind of I was already kind of the guy that kind of replaced whoever needed to be replaced. So I I felt like I had already stuck my foot in the door and just and just let them know like, hey, I'm ready ready to to take over. I had done a few times with Germ um what uh in previous years when when Nate wasn't able to make it there. So I already kind of had my foot in the door. But be, uh, but honestly, before the year started, I let them know I'm like, hey to any capacity like i had already i had already uh made an agreement with them to do the whole breakdowns that year or last year so i was going to be involved in some way yeah i asked uh i asked germ last week if he felt like helen hunt and castaway you know like uh, the, your partner's gone <laughs> you found the new partner uh but i didn't ask him if he felt like helen hunt i just asked him if that's what it felt like right away and nate very diplomatically was trying to explain to germ that he was the wife in this situation but didn't really know how to say it he kind of tiptoed around it and then and then he just threw it out there no man you're you're, you're the wife here um but that's that's kind of what it's like nate's nate's back and and now there's you and uh, i'm excited to see how it how it works out for the season totally totally agree it's going to be i know it's going to be good either way i and the, and the really great thing about it is i know we're all team players so if i have to sit and and listen to them do commentary and and do my part in whatever capacity that is i know that i can do that i know nate will do the same and germ germ probably won't germ's a bit selfish but <laughs> i know that you know captains are gonna step up and do what we need to do to make sure that we put out some good content for y'all yeah for sure they definitely didn't ask germ to be the captain let's let's keep it <laughs> let's put it that way yeah but he's got he's got a lot of cool hats oh yeah Fla- he's the hat Flatties. captain he's yep. the hat captain no question now, Paul, it's uh, it's coming up on 2021, and nobody really knows what's going to happen for the for the season. Everyone's kind of waiting to see. What was it like being out there? Nate didn't get a chance to play in a lot of these big tournaments. You were out there playing in them. What was it like? What's the difference like without having the fans there and, and having the fairways lined? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's tough. It's a tough thing. It's something that you would think you would get used to when you're actually competing, I know that I, it's a, I don't even know how to explain it. I think it's a skill to be able to play with a crowd because you're playing like there's no crowd, right? But for me, I play better with a crowd because of that skill. Does that make sense? So with them not there, like that extra level of nerves that you'll get from having a big crowd or something isn't there. And so people who play well with the crowd don't have that advantage if that makes sense and plus there's no people watching which is horrible for any sport yeah i think the idea that you know making that distinction that nerves are not always bad that little amount of nerves actually gets you to your peak you know and and you can't really feel that as much without the people you know i I only went to a couple of these tournaments with no fans but i could already tell you know just being there it was just there wasn't that electricity in the air yeah exactly is heckling a thing Barely. Uh, yeah, not really, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just wondering. Don't get into it. We don't like it. No, we don't like heckling. I would imagine the only that. heckling we do is when I'm heckling them. My we heckle each other. There's plenty of heckling between players in the groups, sure. But uh not really looking for input from the, the fans when I throw out of bounds if I can help it. <laughs> right. No, I would, I would, I would imagine not. I just, it's one of the things that I wonder, you know, it's a, if you have a favorite, are you cheering against the other person? I think 
that's one of the things that makes disc golf so unique is that, and I notice when I'm playing with my friends, if me and my friends are playing basketball and somebody on the other team is going to take a shot, I, I, I want them to miss it. And that's the same with any sport. But when I'm playing disc golf and someone throws a shot and it looks like it's going to be an ace, everybody jumps up and screams, oh my God, get in. It's it's one of those weird things. Yeah, yeah that's true. When I'm playing... It's a little different, I think, that way. Yeah, when I'm playing basketball, I'll definitely, whenever somebody misses, be like, that's what we want, and just get, get after them, for sure. But it's I'm... something about, you know, being individual sport and being such a, like, you in the course thing coming from ball golf as well, where you're like, the respect is there to be like, okay, let this guy concentrate and put out his best effort. And then it's going to be my turn to concentrate and put out my best effort and, you know, see who comes out on top. Not to say that if it's the final hole and I'm tied and somebody's going for an ace run, I mean, I'm definitely watching. I'm going to cheer if they ace, but I don't, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say, I'm like, get in, please. I mean, I'm <laughs> certainly, I'm certainly there to try to compete and, and do the best I can. But, uh, but yeah, there's not, there's not any like, Oh, I sure hope you miss this before somebody puts. I mean, that you'd be, no. you'd be in some trouble with your peers if you if you started pulling a move like that. Yeah, I can imagine that would upset people. And I guess it's also because you know you guys are getting aces all the time, and for us to get an ace out there while we're slapping around the course, it's like a, a special thing. We all jump around <laughs> and, and celebrate, and you know, you guys, you guys have been there before. That's somewhat true. Yuli, how many aces do you have in your career? Oh, um, over three hundred got to be over three well over 300 that's an insane number <laughs> i know i i quit counting like i i used to get so many aces man that i would like uh i would mark the back of the disc and i mark i started marking just ones that i got paid in tournaments and i had like 80 something tournament aces at one point that and then i just lost count of those and yeah i i used to i used to just play to ace sometimes because a lot of times back in the day that was the only money that you would get that was the only money up for grabs was ace pool you know that was a substantial amount of money compared to like winning like 10 bucks at a league or something you hit an ace you know that's usually about right around 100 200 bucks so i was just running them so how many of those aces do you think are backhands and how many are forehands um Probably I would I would say probably more sidearm aces than than backhand backhand aces, I'm guessing. You do have that silky smooth sidearm. Um where do you rank yourself on the on the, the guys that are sidearms? Where where do you put yourself at? <laughs> no, I put my I put myself as num the number five guy. Number five <laughs> all time, if I were to rank myself. And we've kind of gone into detail of <laughs> the re the reasons why. But as I as I age and as I don't throw as many sidearms as I once did, I know that I get a lot of pushback from several people, including the fans out there. They're like, "What? Your sidearm? You barely throw it." I'm like, "Calm down." I let me let me did. lay this out for you. Yeah, let me lay this out for you. When I throw the sidearm, it's good. I I do say that I have the. <laughs> I do say this, and I'll stand by this for the rest of my life. I have the highest percentage sidearm of all time. Period. When I throw that, what? Uh, birdie. Yeah. When I or getting up and down. Whenever I throw the sidearm, especially now because I only use it for like, you know, I I know my I I guess I know my uh my boundaries with the sidearm. So when I throw it, it's rarely bad. We we've probably spent a solid five hours, Germ and Yuli and I. 
where he tells us how he's top five all time and we tell him he isn't. And, I was going to uh, say, you, you got him in your top five? Well, you know, uh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't have my top five right here in front of me. But I've pushed back against him. And But the percentage thing, you know, he always says that. You know, I, I got the highest percentage. It's like I only threw one forehand and I birdied. But, you know, it's because it was the forehandiest forehand hole on the whole course. But I'm not trying to say it's not good. Like he, And he can outthrow me with a putter. I'll say that for sure. We'll afraid the forehand. But we've had many a, a late night conversation about who makes up the top five all time. And, uh, you know, he's a, he, he can lay his case. You know, he's not trying to put himself number one. He just sneaks in there in the fifth spot. I do. I do. And, and for you and, and Germ to put yourselves in the top five is – pretty i mean there's a lot of up-and-comers i know dude i know it's hard i i don't i like i'm saying i haven't put a whole lot of effort into defining my top five i mostly just respond to uh your when you keep asking me am i in the top five yet and i'm like i don't think so (laughs) but i i don't i I would need to do some some serious research and some soul searching to decide what i actually thought that was but man it's you're so right that like the guys coming up now pretty hard to just say oh yeah i'm better than that because these guys are throwing some shots that i have never been able to throw my whole life i know that i know this that on the right course like if we go to if we go to winthrop and play you and i like you're gonna you're gonna wax me of course that place is you know wide open doesn't take a lot of skill yes sure you have a stable you have a stable excalibur yeah and a longer wingspan than i do congratulations (laughs) But I take you to a nice little wooded course. I don't know, man. I think you'd have you'd have a you'd have a tough time. You'd I think you might be right. I, I think you yeah. might be right. God, this is getting good. Uh, well, while we're <laughs> on it, Yuli, uh, do, do you do you know who are the four that are ahead of you? Or do you, do you feel like sharing it for the listeners? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I put them in this order. I I think that I think that Germ does have the best sidearm of all time. And my reasoning for that is he won the United States Disc Golf Championship through pretty much throwing all sidearms. And I think that his backhand leaves a bit to be desired on the course. He can throw it a long, long ways and pretty accurately. But I think compared to other U.S. champions, like to do that with all sidearm pretty much is pretty incredible. Now, Nate has... Your backhand's, I think, better than Germ's. So you also did. You also won the U.S. Championship. I feel like throwing mostly sidearms, correct? Yeah, sure. And so that's a feat. Like, yeah. Then I put you two. You guys are winning majors with this one skill that you guys, you know, possess. So I feel like that that that, in my opinion, merits a top five. Now the next guys are. I put Greg Barsby in there because Greg. Um, Basically, I feel like won a world title throwing all sidearms, you know, and he's he's put himself in major situations and won like he has that sidearm roller race at the like he's yeah. just done these crazy things with the sidearm, you know, he's known for that type of thing. And then and then my last one is I think that uh I think I think Ricky Wysocki deserves to be in the top five just because of his scrambling skills and how how much he utilizes it. And yeah. then after that, I got to put myself. And the reason I put myself now, we got the Eagles and we got all these guys up and comers. Yeah. All right. Cool. Do it for 15 years. <laughs> Do it for 15 straight years. Like you got a long ways to go before 
you've gotten as many birdies as I have with the sidearm. That's all I'm saying. See, he makes a strong case. He he's a hard guy to argue with. Listen, I, I'm not I'm not gonna argue with it. I'm just a fan. I enjoy watching everybody play that you just mentioned. So I, I have no I couldn't I couldn't dare argue with you on it. I also have I have one one last point for the listener. Okay. And this is what I've told to Nate and Jerm. I said, listen, there's one hole. And if you get inside the circle, you get a million dollars. Right. And you don't know what hole it is, but it's under 300 feet. Okay. Under 300 foot. And you can't choose yourself. And you can't choose, or you just can't choose yourself. Who are you going to choose? And you have to throw a sidearm. That means any angle. So it could be like just a straight hyzer, maybe, or it could be a complete anhyzer shot, or it could be a straight shot. Who are you going to choose? There's only a few people who can do that, you know, that you're going to trust. Obviously, we're all picking Macbeth, right? I don't think so. <laughs> not not if it's got to be a forehand all the way. No matter what. It could be a sidearm roller. It could be, you know what I mean? It could be like this crazy high Annie, like it could be a high spike hyzer. Like, but you have to choose one guy. Okay, one million bucks. Here we go. All right, so let's hear both your answers. Gosh. I mean, I, I would probably God, the one million is tough too, because I want to say germ, but then I think, man, he's gonna get in his own head. <laughs> and then I worry that he's gonna overthink things and we're gonna hear one of those. Ah! germ screams right after it plunks a tree yeah but then you pick somebody who's clutch and they can't even throw the shot very good sure yeah it's a short list i'm I'm looking forward to see what the fans have to say because you know some it's tough because if you're really talking about every single angle like if this is just such an obvious backhand hole and you have to force a forehand into that that's not easy to do all of a sudden your list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And all I'm saying is I'm going to have a few people choose me. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking you out of, out of contention. Not, not at all. You, Greg, those guys you just mentioned. I mean, that's the short list. Rick, Germ, Ricky, Greg. Yep. Sure. Rick with I those putters, he can Ricky get a putter probably. to go that far. Yeah. I mean, he could throw a pig any angle. Cause he carries like six or eight of them. I saw in that I recent video. I, I think I'd choose Ricky. I really do. Yeah, he he's definitely a good pick, and he's battle hardened. He's not gonna get he's not gonna get too nervous. You know, he's gonna not that Germ right. isn't, but Rick is just like such a he Fierce he's a killer. Competitor. He's a killer yeah. when it when it gets down to time to time to do it. Yeah, I, again, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys. Yuli, you're on the list, man. Don't don't you worry about it. You're you're. Hey, man, you're you know all I can. All I can do is keep throwing those sidearm birdies. Keep getting on ESPN with those aces and. uh and we'll see where, where I end up at the end of my career. I think I think someday Sexton might might let me into this prestigious club. I'll I'll put some more effort into my top five. I'll, last, I'll let you, at least that way I can let you know where you stand. Last stat: USDGC hole seventeen. This thing has made major champions and just completely stripped it away from people. Now, I have missed it one time ever in. 14 years I pretty missed incredible. the island one one time ever and That's that time incredible. i i circle i circle treat it all right you sold me um you, you you sold me i i i'll take you yuli you know there's not a lot of things that i would just you tell me how good of a putter you think you're i'm like well, one of the worst of all time not a problem <laughs> but I, i'm gonna argue with this on the sidearm thing i embrace it man i like arguing about it <laughs>
Well, Yuli, I'm happy you brought that up because if you really wanted to step up your putting game, uh, we have an awesome sponsor here on Running It With Nate Sexton called Disc Dot. And uh, the folks over at Disc.USA have invented this patented awesome ball that you clip right onto the chain inside the basket and it kind of gives you something to aim at and he's got it in a bunch of cool colors and um so you know if you want to step up during the off season you can hop on to uh, disc.usa.com you can even use our special code right nate yeah man run it 10 get a little deal and i'm getting mine tomorrow right is that what is that what i've been told yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yours are Sweet. yours are Yours are coming tomorrow, and uh, me and my son were out with ours today and uh, and tossing those around, posted a little video on the Instagram, uh, but they're really pretty cool. So, Yuli, you know, if uh, it's not too late for you to really to really refine that putting game, and, and you can visit our friends over at Disc Dot, um, thank you for giving us an awesome segue into that spot there. I really appreciate that. That's what I'm here for, man. I just lob them up for you guys, and you hit them out of the park. <laughs> that's, that's right, man. <laughs> What have you been doing during the during the uh, off season? You've been you've been playing disc golf, just kind of relaxing. I've been really really busy, actually. You know, I I've been um, Nate mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've been doing the YouTube channel thing and trying to grow that. Um, I've been networking a lot with my sponsors. I I got a new sponsor with Bushnell this year. I got a new sponsor with Nate Heinold, who runs the Ledgestone, and I'm part of that team now. And then trying to wrap that all into a nice little package with Discraft, and so I've had I've had a a busy off season so far for sure. And moving to a new home in Charlotte across the country. I mean, you, yeah. you're definitely staying busy. Yeah, moving to a new home in Charlotte. Uh, put out a nice post about lessons. I've been booked up solid with lessons out here, and uh, yeah, loving it though. Loving it. I think I think I'm my best Paul Uliberry when I stay when I stay extra busy. Nice. So you mean to tell me that people out in Charlotte can get lessons from one of the top five sidearm players of all time? Ever. Yeah, big big yeah. germs from Charlotte. <laughs> oh, well played. Um, he doesn't. Every time... He doesn't offer lessons. Oh, and Yuli lives there too. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh, every time we have a guest on the show. <laughs> We're going to play a little game and uh, it's you or Nate. And what I'm going to do is just ask you some fun questions. They might be disc golf related. They might not be. And uh, there's only two answers. It's either you or it's Nate. And we're going to play that game right now, man. Are you ready? I'm ready. A couple fun topics for us to debate. It's time to play. It's you or Nate. God, isn't that just a super fun jingle that we get to hear <laughs> each, each week? Uh, shout out to our friends, LNJ Sessions out of New Jersey, who put that together for us. Okay, Yuli, here it is. It's you or Nate. Who would win in a foot race? I think I think Nate would beat me in a foot race. Like a quick Nate. I don't know. It depends on like how far, like what distance. 40-yard yeah, dash. That's, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm pretty competitive, so at first I was thinking like about my knee and stuff, but then I was thinking like rehab's gone really good, and I'm feeling <laughs> really fast. <laughs> so I, I I don't I think it'd be pretty close. I think it might we might we might tie on that one. I think there's a, some great YouTube content there. Let's let's talk later. <laughs> Perfect. God. 
I'm so excited right now. I'm sitting on my hands to prevent myself from clapping. Um, who throws farther? You or Nate? Dang, I'd have to say right now at this point, I think Nate throws farther than me. I don't know. Maybe. Who's more likely to call a foot foul on an opposing player during a round? You or Nate? I'm going to say probably me. Okay. You or Nate, who's like who's more likely to upset Big Germ in the booth? That's not a fair question. I think anybody would upset Germ in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Big Germ not upset in the booth. <laughs> so so it's another tie. Okay, fair enough. Who's more likely to upset Big Germ on the course? You or Nate? Oh, Nate, for sure. Nate, Wait, is, really? it pra- is it a practice round or is it? Uh, oh, you know. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, oh, I, I get Germ so mad. I get him. I know how to get under that. Yeah, you skin. did. Oh, I am. <laughs> I am the master of the big germ heckle. I can't Who's... wait to do the practice round with all three of us. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, don't don't start laughing and acting like it's going to be a good time. It's real out there. It gets real. Oh, I'm we get ready. feisty, my friend. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you... I've heard that famous last word. <laughs> Who's more likely to pull a prank during a round? You or Nate? Me. I think probably me. I think so, too. Who would be a better contestant on Dancing with the Stars? You or Nate? Nate. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I just feel like I would be way too coordinated and look way too smooth out there right away. <laughs> uh, it would be like yeah, a okay, longer okay. process for you to get those moves going. I feel like you could outdance me, no problem. Right, Yeah, right now, but I, America would just fall in love with you, buddy. <laughs> the awkwardness, like the just like the the struggle of trying to dance. I could exactly. see that. I could like win. Them. I could probably just... win them over. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Who do you think? Who's going to win in a rap battle? You or Nate? He just dropped a, a absolute heater on the socials <laughs> last week. He was and even he was spitting mad rhymes. <laughs> I mean, he had the he had. The, all the socials just in an uproar not an uproar maybe getting up and singing along with them i don't know i think nate wins that for sure i think i could write a better rap but i think maybe yuli could rap a better rap i mean freestyle i'm no i'm talking like you got a week prepare your rap like not i don't know i'm not ready to freestyle but like i feel like i could write one better but i feel like you could you know record one you could record one that would hit a little harder I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. You write it. I wrap it. And then now we got another, we got another segment for the show. I feel like maybe that's what we do on the first tee of the practice round. When we get all together, I'll write it. You wrap it and big journal. <laughs> he won't be the practice round prince anymore. I'll tell you that. Nope. Nope. I, I already thinking. got, I, Hey, I already got a great plan for the first practice round. You just wait. It's gonna oh, I can't wait. amazing. Not amazing, <laughs> but pretty good. I love it. You know, I think we're going to end it right there on the rap battle. I, and I think those answers were all, were all pretty true. Nate, how'd you feel about this round? You, you think he was pretty honest? 
Yeah, I think so for sure. I didn't have too many. I mean, I think for sure he's better dancer than me, but then he took it next level and said, I'm going to get in there and like my patheticness is going to kind of like my personality shines through the journey of me learning to dance, you know, so better contestant. He took that in a different direction and I can't argue with him now. Well, I think it's just because everybody knows you got all that game, Nate. Gosh, I don't, I, I'm not I'm not not many people would would call me a dancer. Let's let's leave it there. No, but it's that it's that personality they're going to fall in love with. Well, you, one can hope. Dude, I mean, you you know, you look at pictures of you and your wife on social media. You definitely outkicked your coverage on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sure. Well, hey, you know, and uh, it's obviously because you are such a such a smooth, a smooth talker with all the game. In fact, you had mentioned that you had been dating your wife since like high school. Um, and I just had to make sure I said, you know, was like Nate really the only one you ever dated? And she said, yeah, absolutely. The other guys were all nines and tens. So, uh, <laughs> so we know we know that we know that it was all that game that you got that brought it in. Now, Nate, for the last few weeks, we've been telling everybody about our friends over at Fisher Disc Golf. This week, I had the opportunity to pop in on one of their Disc Stacks uh, mystery giveaways. And uh, Disc Stacks, like we've talked about before, they line those stacks up on the table. Um, you get to purchase a pull. They pull out a disc. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of being on the sidelines. I'm going to get in there this week. So I bought a pull. I've got an awesome disc. I've already got confirmation in my email that it's on its way out. Um, those guys are just doing some some really awesome things over there. So again, guys, make sure you check out our friends at Fisher Disc Golf on Facebook. They're also on YouTube and they're doing the disc stacks every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can visit their website as well, fisherdiscgolf.com. Uh, they got over 18 brands of plastic. They constantly have new stuff coming in. Uh, our friends at Disc Dot are also featured on there as well. And uh, Nate, we've got a special code for all of our listeners so they can save some money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Use the code RUNIT10. They've got everything a disc golfer needs. Like you heard, 18 brands. So get over there. They're supporting the show. If we can show them a little bit of love, everybody wins. Just pop in there and check the site out. It's uh, it's really kind of an awesome site, and they've got some great things going on, and we can't thank them enough uh, for their support on this podcast. Okay, guys. Once again, Nate went on Instagram and asked for questions for Yuli, and um, you know we got like... 375 fan questions so uh, we're clearly not going to be able to get into all of them but i do have some pretty fun questions here for for both of you guys really um you guys want to take some fan questions i do oh, i'm ready yeah okay uh if you guys could play any course with any card what and who would it be i mean right now i want to i want to play at maple hill because i didn't get to play there this last year and I'm the, that practice round that those guys did is fresh in my mind right now. So I want to play Maple Hill with Germ, Paul, and Simon because I know he's he's local there now. And I just saw him goofing around and battling with Yuli on his YouTube channel. So I want to go there. I want to play a practice round. I want Joe Miz there. And that's the four guys I want. Yuli? Oh, well, I just got done playing with Germ all year. I'm over that. <laughs> I just came from Simon's, whipped him up and down his home course left-handed. So I'm over that, over there at Maple Hill. So I'm over Maple Hill. I want to go back to Europe. I want to play with my boy Nate Sexton because I didn't get to see him all year. I'll play with Nate. I'll play with 
I want to play with the other Nate, Nate Doss, because I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, man. And I want to, and I want to see the champ out there, Ken Climo, because I haven't seen him in a while. I think that would be an amazing Dang. round. Which course? Which course are we playing? Let's play Yarva, dude. Okay, I'll go. Deal. Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll text the champ. I'll see what he's doing. Cool. You take Sounds care like of. Uh, you take yeah, I'll care talk of to him. Doss. I'll talk All to right. him. I had a question that came in from Samuel. This one came into our email, actually, runningitpodcast at gmail.com. How do pros recover mentally and physically from tournaments that kind of make you feel like just putting your discs in the closet for a couple weeks? And that comes after him explaining that he played in a round, it rained and poured, he didn't have the proper equipment, and uh, after that round, he just felt like he needed to take a break. You guys ever have rounds like that, and how do you bounce back? You go, Nate. I'll go. I'll go second. All right. Yeah. I mean, sure. We definitely have frustrating rounds. I feel like the key for me has been sometimes it actually is a small break. Sure, there are times when you need to kind of reevaluate what's going on, but generally, I feel like it's just practice rounds. You know, and we, as a touring player, you know, we have the luxury we're like out of there, we're on to the next city. The weather's changed. We're in a new place, and you just got to get out there and grind through it and kind of like address whatever those weaknesses are whether it be slowing down your feet or just reconnecting with some aspect of your form that you feel like you forgot about and sort of had you spraying shots all over the place. So that's been it for me is just kind of like put my head down, work to get my confidence back and convince myself that I have moved past whatever struggle I was dealing with. And then, yeah, just kind of refocus and get out there and let, let your competitive nature kind of take over and, and see if you can, can do better the next time. No, I think I think you hit on some great points there. I think that uh, putting the disc up sometimes that can totally be a nice little easy fix. But one thing that I've always tried to take into next rounds is, uh, well, I don't like using this, but let's use ratings as an example. Like, let's say right now I'm like ten, I'm a ten twenty five rated golfer. So if I have a really bad round and I shoot a, a 980 rated round or something in a tournament, I have all the confidence in the world because of my average that I know that I'm way better than that, that it's going to average out to that, you know, that final rating, which means I'm going to have to have a hot one coming in. If you can find ways to kind of trick your mind in, into just believing that and having that confidence, whatever it is, sometimes it is getting to the field and, and doing that work, or sometimes it's just putting the disc away for a couple of days and be like, Oh, next time I go out, it, it, it'll fix itself. Whatever you got to really do. Everybody's different. There's different ki- kinds of athletes. There's people like Nico. You see him after a bad round, that dude's out there throwing what Nate, like a thousand putts are uh, right after. I've and never stuck play- around long enough to see how many it is, but it's a ton. <laughs> it's a ton. And then he's out there playing the course right after. And, and there's people like that. I've never been that type of guy, but figuring out who you are, and what works best for you. And sometimes that will take time, especially for somebody who hasn't played as long as we have, like we kind of have our, our, uh, our, the way that we work kind of dialed in, you know, like, like Nate said, like he has a certain way to do it. I have a certain way. Nico does it a certain way, figure out your way and then just go for it, man. Jarrett and Nate ask, Paul, what did you actually think a gazelle was? I honest opinion. He said gazelle. I was looking at Jim's stupid shirt with whatever bird was on there. And I thought, no joke, I was picturing a gazelle being one of those 
those tall birds that are in the water, the white ones that are like, oh, like a crane, not a crane. What are the, the swan? white ones? A swan. Boom. Got it. I was thinking swan, not gazelle. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. And I can see how you can confuse those. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks. You're the first person to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me feel really good. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm here for you, man. Uh, Nate and Paul, who was your favorite pro when you were getting started? And did you have an opportunity to get together with them and get some words of wisdom? Um, man, when I was getting started, I feel like when I was getting started, I didn't know there were pros. But once I became aware of pros, I would say Avery Jenkins and Ken Klima were probably two guys and Dave Felberg too. It's hard, hard to put it down to one, but I've definitely been lucky enough to have time with uh, all those guys. Nate Doss as well. Man, I'm, I'm stealing them all, Yuli. Sorry. A uh, bunch of guys that I looked up to. And yes, I did get a chance to have time to pick their brains and talk to them and, and uh, you know they were nice enough to give me some good advice. What was the advice? Gosh, tons of things, tons of things. That's like, I don't know. I don't know if I can even just Nothing it down sticks out, you know, everything from like form. I mean, I think definitely those guys were a big part of like, if you don't learn your backhand, you'll never, you know, I remember that sticking out and being like, I don't need it. I can win, you know, but then you start to realize, no, there's, there's players out there that are better than I knew about when you're just from Oregon and you're just playing locally, you know? So I remember those guys really pushing me to like, you know, you need to learn that you need to learn this kind of shot shape. You'll never make it if you don't. And that was kind of like something that I I definitely took to heart and was like, okay, like, let's go. Nice. Got to learn the backhand. It's your job. You're right about that. Have you seen that? Have you already seen that? I just watched it today. Yeah. So cute. (laughs) So adorable. (laughs) you gotta learn the backhand it's your job is that'll be one of the greatest quotes of all time i feel like <laughs> that's we're referencing a- the brand new jomez video it just came out for anybody who hasn't seen it yep. uh, the practice round mic'd up practice round with jeremy and i when jeremy was here in uh washington to record that espn commentary in early november we got out there uh with a film crew and, and we were able to play a little round in the rain so check that video out if you if you'd like to see me doing my best to make fun of jerome all right, Paul, what about you? Um, pros that you kind of looked up to as you were getting started and did you get an opportunity to get together with them and catch some words of wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. So just to one-up Nate, it was Ken Climo, Nate Doss, Avery Jenkins, Steve Brinster, Steve Rico, <laughs> uh, UC Maresma, Marcus Kallstrom, Michael yeah. Randolph. Oh, gosh, the list just keeps on going, guys. Yeah, just <laughs> it's true, though. Um, no, no, you're 100% right. Like, I was a total um, fan coming out on tour to where I, I really wanted to learn quick, so I asked them all. But one sticks out, and it's King Climo. I, I went up to him, and I was having problems. I was getting headaches, actually, after good rounds that I shot. I would get these crazy headaches, um, and I would just be exhausted after playing around because I would just be concentrating so much, so heavily. And I and I asked Kenny, I was like, hey, why is this happening? Why, when I play so good, do I get like these crazy headaches? And am I so exhausted after I play good? I, I don't understand. 
And he came up with the best, fastest answer ever. He said, well, how long do you concentrate? And I go like, he's like, like, what are you concentrating out on there? Are you focused? And I'm like, oh, Kenny, <laughs> you won't know anybody more focused than this kid. You know, I, from the moment I step on the tee, I am only thinking about disc golf and my neck shot and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and that's the difference. When I go up there, he's like, you have 30 seconds for a reason. And that's the only time I'm thinking about disc golf. I might think about the next shot or the situation a little bit, but he's like, a lot of times I might be talking to my caddy or talking to somebody else in a thing or thinking about where I'm at or whatever. He's like, but makes it a lot easier when you have your 30 seconds and you use it wisely. And I mean, that really helped me because there was a point in time where that was a real problem. I would legitimately get headaches after my rounds. Well, too much thinking will do that to you, man. Dude, I'm, let me tell you guys something. If you if the, you guys don't know me by now, I thought a gazelle was a dang toucan or whatever <laughs> the heck it was. <laughs> so the think the Uliberry thinker is not like uh, other people's thinkers. Okay, <laughs> I can't be thinking all this time. <laughs> Nobody's got time for all that thinking, especially me. Can't climb me. Can't climb will really help me out with that. It's great advice. <laughs> it's, it's, advice. A, it's amazing advice. And uh, you know what? I think we should take away Swan. Let's go with Toucan. Um, that's what you thought a gazelle was, was a Toucan. It, it just makes it so much better. I think Toucan's number one answer. This was Family Feud. Toucan's number one answer. <laughs> Someday this could be a Family Feud disc golf question. That'd be great. I could just see Steve Harvey asking it now. Um, so... Uh, Yuli, as I said, this dropping on Friday, Christmas Day, you've got all your Christmas shopping done. Are, are you ready? I've got a lot of good Christmas shopping done. You know what's great about this day and age is you can do it all online, baby. You don't have to go out. There's no rush. There's no lines. You don't want to do that anyway right now. And so Amazon has just saved my life. You just go on there. And I've found that there's a lot of great Christmas shopping on just Instagram, like little ads will pop up, like they know what you're thinking, and you're like, oh, yeah, right there, boom, boom, grab that. They ship it next day, and all of a sudden, your Christmas shopping is all taken care of. So what you're telling me is a lot of people got, like, toucan shirts if they know what you're thinking, and they're just popping up ads. Oh, I'm. that'd be so weird if I look on there and, I, and the germ <laughs> stupid shirts pop up. Oh, <laughs> what are they? What are they called? They're like... Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what? the brand. Loud yeah, guy like, shirts. Really yeah, loud, loud guy shirts. Really loud, like, guy country club guy. Needs to be noticed guy shirt. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, when you're when you're 6'6", six, six, you might as well have the loudest shirts and, and pants on the course as well, right? In Germ's defense, man, he pulls it off. He looks great on the course. He always has, always, always, always matching from – hat all the way down to almost shoelaces germ with that damn pull cart um do, do do either of you guys like to use a cart when you're out there are you guys both traditional bag style i'm a bad guy total bad guy i've yeah, never tried i've never tried a cart so yeah i guess i'm a bad guy it's all fun and games until germ almost clips your achilles tendon with that bag right yuli oh he has no control over that thing you'd think that like it's like every other hole. Hey man, can you grab the front of this? I need to get over this. And like, you know, that's for sure. No. Yeah. yeah. It, it requires a lot of help. Of yeah. Like what, why do you have this? If you need my help, and I'm not asking you to carry half of my strap over this little t 
tiny ditch. Oh, that guy. You know, um, I, I like to ask everybody this because everyone gets to get that inside look. What are you binging? Are you watching anything on TV? Are you a Netflix guy? Are you a, a Sports Center guy? What What are you watching on TV these days? Oh man, I am. I I watch pretty much everything. My my number one show this year was. Uh, let me. Th- I I watched. There was two that really stood out. Yellowstone is my all time favorite show. It is the best show ever. Look it up. I've never it's seen a, it. I, You've never seen it. Oh my goodness. It's about um, a ranch in uh, Montana, obviously Yellowstone famous actor. Let me think. What is his name? Uh, man, what is Isn't it name? Kevin Costner or something? Kevin Costner. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Nate. Kevin Costner is the star of the show and he basically has a family out there and people trying to take his land and, Oh, it's just, it's, it's a great show. That's my favorite. That's become my favorite show that I've ever seen. I just started a new show on Netflix. It's a Netflix original called Designated Survivor. I don't know if either of you guys have seen this yet. I've seen it, it. Been there, been there, done that, buddy. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Oh, it's great. Yeah, really. Good. That's a. That's also a really good one. Well, for the for the first three episodes, I've been giving Nate a hard time because he's never seen The Karate Kid. Have you ever seen the movie The Karate Kid, Yuli? Yeah. 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 Yeah, not not Nate, but I did get some clarification to that last night as a message came into the show, and it was from none other than Nate's dad, and he said, uh, we're more of a Star Trek family than a Karate Kid family, and I think that's why why that missed Nate's radar. So uh, your dad came in and kind of explained that for a little bit for us, Nate, so now I understand. It's It's all true. It's all true. And that also shows that your dad listens to the podcast, man, so congratulations. Yeah, I just told him about it uh, a couple of days ago. I don't think he was quite aware of it, but I think now he's in there. So, hey, Dad. <laughs> Yuli, if uh, if anybody listening wants to check out more of you, um, go ahead and plug your stuff, man. Tell them where they can find you, where they could check you out, what you got going on, how they can uh, how they can get in on this. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So, so one Yuli is my Instagram tag. You can pop that one in. Follow me on there. Uh, I'm pretty active on my stories, not so much posting, posting other things, but right now I'm really, I'm really pumping out some content pretty much weekly on my YouTube channel. I have a series called down the fairway where I do some, um, small tips to help really all, all levels of disc golf. And, uh, some, I just got done filming some stuff with Simon where we, we did a collab and that's on there as well. Uh, I'm actually coming up. Today, I filmed something very special for the YouTube channel. So this is the first time that I'll even announce that some extra content will be on there. But this is going to be big. This is going to be like disc golf changing changing big. So look for that mid-January for something really great to drop on my channel. That uh, Very high quality and uh, real, it's going to be a series of some sort filmed professionally and all that stuff. I'm excited, but I can't quite drop exactly what it is, but go check out my YouTube channel, follow it. So when that does drop, you're ready to pull in some extra good content. All right. Well, uh, Nate, I, you gotta be having a lot of fun, man, missing out on, uh, on playing this year to be able to have not just other high level professionals, but guys that have been your friends for, like you said, 15 years coming on and chatting with you on your podcast. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I, I'm just getting excited. All the all the guests we're working on getting, you know, next week, it's looking like we're going to go for Paul Macbeth. I'm really excited to talk to him. He's a guy that I've traveled with for a couple of years and obviously he's the king, you know, so he, when he when he talks, you got to listen and it's going to be fun to kind of hear his perspective on uh, his career and how the game has changed and and just share some stories about back when we were traveling together. Yuli, have you ever crashed any of Paul Macbeth's RVs? Uh, you know what? No, but I, I, I toured with Macbeth early on in our careers and probably one of the first RVs ever to get out there. Team smash dinosaur tour. That was a real thing. And we went up with, uh, we were in an RV with Luke Butch, which nobody I guarantee at this point probably has ever heard of Derek Billings, myself and Paul Macbeth. We went on a full tour. I think it was, when was that, Nate? Were you even on tour then, 2008 or something? Oh, no, man. I mean, I would have been in and crashed. out. Yeah, we probably crashed somewhere along the lines, man. We were just little kids at that point. Ask him about that next week. Do me a favor, ask him about Team Smash Dinosaur. We should. I'm going to, yeah, because Nate, Nate shared last week that they uh, they banged up his brand new RV that he had just got <laughs> in front of us, so I was just wondering if you ever you ever had that uh, just on purpose just his face just oops sorry about that bud <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to get this thing wrapped. wrapped with my head yeah. on it man it's the only thing yeah. well paul i uh i i had a lot of fun it was really great chatting with you we hope to get you back on uh sometime in the future and uh and i can't thank you enough man hey no you you know what you guys this was awesome i had an absolute blast um it's fun reminiscing the past with my good friend Nate here and uh yeah, I can't wait can't wait to honestly be back on the show. You guys are doing great and I love the content you guys are pushing out and um till next time I guess. Thanks, man. It was great talking to you. Yeah, later. Well, I think that just about does it. Another awesome rendition, a special holiday edition of running it with Nate Sexton. Um, Nate, I know that it's not quite Christmas yet, but uh, Merry Christmas to to you and your family. And I hope uh, Cora has a, an awesome Christmas morning. Does, does she kind of understand Santa's going to bring presents yet? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. She's got it down to the day. The advent calendar is working great. She's We're celebrating every night. 17 days till Christmas every night new one <laughs> as we get closer and closer. So she's hype. Awesome, man. Well, uh, guys, we thank you so much for tuning in. Remember you can find us on Facebook at running it with Nate Sexton. Same thing on Instagram, running it with Nate Sexton. You can follow Nate on there. He is at Frisbee Nate. I am at Jared or two, two, two. And until next time, while everyone else is out there laying them up, we're going to go ahead and run it.